Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Thank you, worship team. All right, if you have a Bible, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you, and it's page 1199 in that Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3. There is a quote that gets attributed to Albert Einstein, where he said, everyone is a genius, but if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing it is stupid. And Einstein is the guy, like his name literally has become synonymous with genius, right? With brilliance, with intelligence. And uh, he was a scientist, a physicist, and he did all sorts of things that I don't understand, even a little bit, but it's impressive apparently, because when someone's smart, we use Einstein as a way of acknowledging that. It's, it's become a synonym for brilliance. And famously, Einstein did not do well in school when he was young, and he really struggled in the classroom, and uh, his parents were told he's never going to amount to much because he didn't have the intelligence required uh, to get good grades, and what he learned over time as he got older was uh, that he has learned in a different way, that he had a different way that he processed things, and so he didn't do well in a classroom format, but he did very well in different formats. He wanted to get into the laboratory and get working and experimenting, so he figured out the way that he needed to learn and he needed to grow. And so what he's getting at is something that we touched on last week, which is that we are all wired differently by God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by him, but we are not made identical to each other. And so sometimes what happens in church is uh, we can give the impression, as we talked about last week, of this is the way you should pray. There is one way to pray. This is how you do it. And for some of us, that method might work very, very well. And for others of us, it might not work at all. We might try it and it it just doesn't work well with who we are and how we're wired. And so then people can give up on prayer and say, well, I guess that's just not for me. And we're wanting to kind of move past that as we go through this series. And we are wanting to look at, uh, there's, you know, lots of different ways that we can approach Jesus. Jesus is the one way to God, but there are lots of ways that we can connect with him. And it's not going to be the same for every single person. We actually want to celebrate that. And so as we went through last week, all the different kinds of prayer, our hope last week was uh, not everything we talked about was for you, but there would be certain things that you would hear where you'd say, hey, I'm going to give that a try. There's something in that that is uh, appealing to me. And that's what we want to do today as well, as we continue through a series that we call spring training. And uh, just like the baseball players go to spring training because they need to get in shape and they need to get ready uh, for a, a long and grueling major league schedule that's about to start for them, we're talking about getting into spiritual shape. That The Bible says uh, the Christian journey is a little like a marathon run. And so we need to be training. We need to be getting ready. It's, it's a long life. It is a long distance run. And so we want to be in shape so that we can do that. So we are talking about different ways uh, we can be getting into spiritual shape. And we're looking at prayer. Today we're looking at scripture and we'll look at different things. We're wanting the series to be very, very practical. Uh, certainly biblical and, and strong theology, but uh, just very, very practical and how this looks like in real life. And so we're going to have a lot of practicality to it. The key verse for this series from 1 Timothy 4, 7, uh, the word of God says, train yourself to be godly. Uh, that as we grow in godliness, as we grow in following after Jesus, as we grow in learning how to do the right thing and live in God's ways and live in his will, that it's a training process that we have to participate in. 
We can't just sit around and pray and say, all right, God, do it and, and let him uh, do everything. We understand that as we become more like Jesus, he is doing the work in our lives, but we are to participate in our own maturing, in our own growing and understanding. And so in this series, we're talking about practical ways that we can do that. So today is train yourself in the word. And we're in 2 Timothy chapter 3, page 1199 in the Pew Bible. Let's read our text starting in verse 14. Paul is writing to his disciple Timothy who is a pastor at the church of Ephesus. And Paul writes, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Sidebar, that's a good Mother's Day little snippet in there, that Timothy uh, was raised in the word of God at home and other, elsewhere in scripture. Uh, his dad wasn't a believer, but his mom was and his grandmother was. So they were teaching the Bible in the home. That's not the point at all today, uh, but that's just free. No extra charge for that little bit this morning. Uh, verse 16, here is our key today. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is God-breathed. That is one of our core convictions as followers of Jesus, that all scripture is inspired of heaven. And it has come uh, over hundreds of years through many different authors in many different times, in many different places, uh, in many different ways. But all scripture is God-breathed. We believe in the heavenly inspiration of the words that we have in this Bible. We take it seriously because of that. But Dwight Moody said this, the Bible was not given for our information, but for our transformation. The Bible has come not just so that we can learn about God. It does come for that reason, but not just for that. And we need to be a bit careful because uh, just in church culture right now, there's a big focus on teaching, and that's not a bad thing. I'd be out of a job without it. But... For those of us who like to learn, and I am one of those people, it is easy for our Bible time to stop there. Uh, it, it can just be fascinating just to learn things here. And that's, again, it's not a bad thing. But just to learn things, to get new insight, to get new understanding, to have the light bulb go off where we say, I learned something new today, like that's an exciting feeling if we like to learn. But we don't ever want to just stop there. We need to do that part first. We can't comprehend God without understanding his words. So we need the information. But ultimately, it needs to then go deeper than that. Scripture doesn't just come to teach us things. It comes to teach us things. It comes to change us. It comes to make us more like Jesus. It comes to reveal God to us in new ways. It comes to show us what God wants of us and how we can live and walk in his ways. And when the Bible talks about itself in Scripture, it uses these word pictures to help us understand because the Bible is not just a normal book. And so the Scriptures say things like, uh, Lord, your word is a lamp to my feet. Your word lights the way of my life. Your word shows me the direction that I should go. Your word is like uh, bread. Your word is like milk nourishing a baby. Your word nourishes my soul. It feeds me. It fuels me moving forward. Father, your word is like a fire. It consumes. It, it is like a hammer that, that breaks. And sometimes God's word comes and it, uh, it's, it's coming to, uh, to challenge us on something or convict us of something. It comes, uh, Jesus said the words is like life. It comes to 
to bring us to life, to refresh our life, to refresh our soul. And it comes to encourage and to build up. It comes to show us who Jesus is. It comes to show us how we're supposed to live this life. It comes to feed us on every level. It's not just a book. It's not just words on the page. All scripture is God-breathed. And every time we sit with our Bible or every time uh, we listen to a sermon or every time we're reading a Christian book, it is an opportunity for us to have God himself speak to our souls in a way that we need. And so it's important. And so we don't worship the Bible. We, we acknowledge that it's the word of God, inspired of God. We worship God alone. And yet we can't really fully know the God that we worship without his word. And so the two go hand in hand. And so the question last week was, how's your prayer life? The question this week is, how's your Bible time? How are you engaging with the word of God in your life? And when I was growing up, it was very, you know, we talked about devotions a lot. And the idea of devotions is, you went somewhere completely by yourself with your Bible and you read alone and silently for 30 minutes a day. And if you didn't, then you weren't a good Christian because you can watch a TV show for 30 minutes a day. So Jesus deserves at least as much time as a TV show. And that was kind of the model we were given of by yourself, 30 minutes, reading your Bible. Uh, and there was never a lot of explanation of, well, what happens if you have a tough question about the Bible? Or what happens if you don't understand something in the Bible? What happens if you don't read well, if you suffer from dyslexia or anything like that? What happens if you just don't like the alone time, if you do better talking things out? And there was never any room for any of that. So what we are trying to do today is undo some of that narrow-mindedness and say, uh, how's your Bible time? And, and hopefully by the end of today, give you some tools and some tips uh, that will help you take another step in your Bible time. And whether you've walked with Jesus for a long time and you know your Bible really well, whether you're brand new to this and don't know anything about the Bible, whether you don't walk with Jesus at all and you're just here because your mom dragged you and it's Mother's Day, uh, wherever you are at and everything in between, uh, we were just wanting to give you some ideas for, hey, what might be a next step for me uh, in my journey to go deeper in my spiritual walk with Jesus? And so we will go through that uh, as we go through the morning today. Not everything today will be for you, and that's okay, uh, but have an ear tuned for what is for you this morning. So in our passage today, Paul writes, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. So this is where, yeah, we need the understanding. We need to learn. We need the information. Uh, we need to have that, that unpacking uh, of, of what does this mean? Who is God, and what does he want, and, and how do I live? Uh, it's there to teach us. Scripture comes to teach us to do that. Whatever we have done in life, whatever skills we have, we had to learn at some point. There was a point where we couldn't ride bikes. And in our house right now, it's, we're learning about bikes um, and how to ride a bike. I know how to ride the bike, but the kids are learning how to ride. Uh, and it wouldn't hurt me to brush up a little bit too, I guess, as we go. And so whatever skills we have, we had to learn at some point. Anytime you meet a new person, you have to learn about them. There is a process there of that. Scripture comes to help us learn. It helps us to grow. And Jesus said this about the Bible. He said in John 5, 39, these are the very scriptures that testify about me. That scripture is there pointing us to Jesus. And he is the savior. The Bible doesn't save us, but he is the one that the Bible is pointing to. The Bible is there to reveal Jesus to us. And so if we are going to follow after Jesus, then we need to get to know Jesus through his word. And his word points us to him, which is important. Paul also writes that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for rebuking and correcting. Somebody say amen. 
The Bible comes not just to teach and not just to encourage, but sometimes scripture rebukes us and sometimes it corrects us. And that's maybe not the most fun part of reading the Bible, uh, but that is a crucial part of any loving parent's life. Every mom that we celebrate today has to rebuke and correct their kids sometimes or else she's not a good mom. Every parent has to do that. There is an element where a parent looks at their kids and just says, I know better than you. I know you're going off track. And part of my job as a parent is to call you back on track again. It's just the way it goes. And so scripture comes to keep us on course. When the pilgrims left Europe and they were coming to America, they were coming to the New World, uh, the pilgrims that we celebrate at Thanksgiving, they left and their original plan uh, was to land pretty far in the south. They were looking for southern states. They were going to land in South Carolina. That was the initial plan. Uh, they famously landed at Plymouth Rock up, near, up in Massachusetts, which is up in the northern parts of the states. And so they started off heading for the south and there was a really good reason for that because they were going with nothing and they were going to have to start a, a town from scratch. And so they said, well, if we're going to do that in a land that we don't know, let's go somewhere warm because the winters will be easier and the crops will be easier. And so their plan was to land in the south. And along the way, they got blown off track. They got blown up to the north. And they didn't have GPS or anything fancy like that back then, obviously. They used to literally just look at the stars and they would use the stars to get across. And so they ended up going way off track. They landed hundreds of miles north from where they intended to. And because of that, they had a brutal time getting going. And when they celebrated the first Thanksgiving, it was the Thanksgiving of, thank God we didn't die in the horrible winter that we just had, that we were hoping to avoid when we originally left. And so it was so much harder for them because they had been blown off course. And, uh, and where it's so easy for us as we are walking after Jesus, we have uh, our own sinful desires within us that can pull us right and left. We have an enemy of our souls who is tempting and trying to lure us away. And so God's word is here for when we start to want wander away from where we should be going, the scripture is there to pull us back into the path that God has called us to. James chapter 1 verses 22 to 25 says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And so we can't just learn and we can't just like the idea and we can't just sit on a Sunday morning and say, oh, makes perfect sense. There's a step beyond that where we actually start to live out the commandments that we're hearing, or we start to live out this teaching. So do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And so to look at yourself in the mirror, to get ready for work, to do up your hair, which I don't even remember what that feels like. Uh, it's been so long. Uh, to, to get yourself in shape and, and looking good and ready for the day, and then to leave and go, do I, do I look all right? Like just to forget what just happened. But that's what happens when we sit on a Sunday morning or we sit in our Bible time and say, oh, wow, what a great passage. Awesome. Okay, looking good for the day. And then to go away and completely forget about it. He's saying like, that's, that's kind of how silly that is. But verse 25, whoever looks intently into the perfect law, into the word that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So scripture becomes the mirror by which we look into it. We read the scripture and we can see ourselves and, and where maybe we are doing well and where we need some work. 
right? We look in the mirror typically because there's things about our appearance that need fixing, right? We need to fix the makeup, fix the hair, fix how we look. The mirror is there to help us look better. The mirror is there to help us be at our best. And so scripture becomes a mirror when we read it, when we hear it, when we talk about it. It's there to show us what needs fixing, what needs correcting, what we need to work on, what's going to take to get us back on track. And if you've read your Bible any length of time, you've probably had those moments where you read it and at the end of it you're going, ooh, yeah, I need to work on that. You read James chapter 3 where he talks about the words that we say. He says, yeah, it's your, your tongue's on fire by the powers of hell. And how can you praise God in one moment and slam your brother in the next? And you go, ooh, yeah, I did say something unkind about my brother the other day. And so scripture becomes a mirror that says, see, this is you, and this is what you need to work on. And it motivates us to actually live it out. Don't just listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Paul also writes that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for training in righteousness. There's that word training again, like we're using in our series. It's there to train us to be righteous, to help train us in godliness, to train us in the way of Jesus. And if we are Christ followers, then obviously, as the name suggests, we are following after Christ. We are trying to follow after his teaching, follow after his examples. But how am I going to know what that is? Well, I know by looking at his word. His word tells me what Jesus taught. His word tells me how Jesus lived. His word tells me what Jesus expects of me. And there was a point for all of us in our lives where we didn't know how to walk. We had to learn how to do that. We had to be trained in walking. Uh, and some of us have done that with our kids maybe not that long ago. But as we're training your kids to walk, there is a time that they just can't do it. They're just not able to do it. And then they sort of learn to stand and their legs get stronger. And then they toddle and they fall. And then you pick them up again and then they fall again. And they don't want to try it all anymore because they're super cranky and moody and then you got to pick them up again and there's there's sometimes sort of two steps forward and one step back and then it, there's you know this whole process of learning how to do it but of course we get better at it and we get better at it and we get better at it and then there's a point where we're just walking we don't even have to try anymore we're just walking naturally it's easy and so when we're talking about being trained in righteousness there can be a similar trajectory to that it is not always easy to leave our sin it is not always easy to break through, and we don't ever want to make excuses for our sin or try to cover it up, but we are in a process of becoming more righteous. We have to train ourselves in it, and Scripture is there to help train us in our righteousness, to help us in order to know which way we should go. So Paul writes, Scripture is God-breathed. It is inspired. It is there to teach us. It is there to rebuke and correct us. It's there to help train us in righteousness, and then he tells us why all of those things have happened. Verse 17, so that that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that is a good promise from God's word for us. That the scripture comes so that you would be thoroughly equipped. The scripture comes to you so that you would have everything you need to get through this life. And so where sometimes in life we, uh, of course, engage with doubt or we engage with sadness or we engage with, uh, you know, questions about things. We engage with a tough question from somebody at work that, uh, that we don't naturally know how to answer, where we deal with disappointment, where we deal with uh, how do I be a good spouse? How do I raise my kids? How do I follow in the way of Jesus in a world that doesn't like Jesus that much? Scripture comes to help equip you for all of those things and much more. Scripture comes that you would have answers to tough questions. It comes that you would be encouraged in your low moments. It comes to correct and rebuke you when you're tempted into sinfulness. It comes so that you would always have everything you need. 
lifelong journey of this happening. I don't know anyone who's actually perfectly thoroughly equipped, but I can promise we will not be equipped at all if we don't engage with his word. We won't have what we need if we don't engage with the scripture that he has given us. And so very practically then, what can that look like? There are many different ways uh, we can engage with God's word. And so we just want to finish up with just some very practical stuff as we go today. Last week when we were talking about the different kinds of prayer, uh, I had looked up online, if I wanted to start a good physical workout routine, what would be important? Uh, because Paul often ties the physical and the spiritual together. So I thought there might be some parallels. And so I read through a bunch of blogs and a bunch of different articles by physical trainers, and they're all saying, so if you want to get in shape, here are the things that are important. And there were two words that popped up over and over and over again. Uh, and there were other words as well, but these were the two that were consistent. The two words were consistency and variety. If you want a good physical workout routine, it's important that you're consistent, and it's important that you change it up. And if we want to have uh, a success successful attempt at this. Consistency just means we're doing it and we're making the effort and we're making it intentional. Variety means if we just do one exercise all the time and that's it, that will be great for those muscles, but we have other muscles and other factors as well. So consistency and variety are important to the, the physical well-being of our body. And I threw out last week and will again this week, I think that is true of our spiritual life as well. That if we want to get in spiritual shape, if we want to draw closer to Jesus, if we want to grow in maturity, consistency of our spiritual activities and variety of our spiritual activities are going to be important. Uh, so the consistency when it comes to our Bible of being able to say, I am going to intentionally make this a priority. I am going to carve out time in my life for this. And I'm going to do this regularly. I'm not just going to do it once in a blue moon. And just like it can be hard if I said, I'm going to start running every morning, that might be a bumpy habit to get into if you're not used to it. It can be the same with the Bible. Lots of Christians make vows on January 1st, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year, and by January 7th, they have basically given up. Uh, it can be hard to get into a habit, but just like good physical habits, if we can press through and if we can keep at it, eventually these habits don't feel like a struggle anymore. These habits become something we actually look forward to and are important to us. So we need to be consistent. We need to give intentionality to it. And then variety. Sometimes uh, we can kind of get bored in the spiritual life. And that might sound like something you're not supposed to say, but uh, I've been a pastor for 17 years, and I, I hear it all the time of just, you know what, I just... My Bible time is not refreshing me. My prayer time has become mundane. And so one of the things we're trying to do in this series is shake that up a little bit. There's lots of different ways that you can engage with God's word. And so we want to uh, share some of those things with you. So as we are just practically approaching the scripture, here are some things to keep in mind. First of all, uh, engaging daily, right? If I want to be in physical shape, I need to do something physical every day. If I want to be in good spiritual shape, the spiritual side has to be a part of my life. And everybody misses days from time to time. And that's not the end of the world. But to engage regularly with God's word uh, is going to be crucial. If we want to be thoroughly equipped, if we want to know what we're supposed to do, if we want to understand who God is and who Jesus is, then engaging daily is going to be important. How much do you want to grow in your spiritual journey? Uh, it's going to reflect in how much time we spend in prayer and in seeking God's word. As we look at the Bible, we need to understand, too, there's different parts of the Bible for different purposes. Most books we read in our culture, you open it up, you start at page one, and you read it through in order until the end. 
That is not the way to approach the scripture, although I think everybody should read through it once in their lifetime. The Bible is not designed to be that way. It's not a novel. It is not a textbook. It is not a history book. The Bible is a bunch of books combined together, and those books have different purposes. And so when I approach the Bible, it's a little bit more like a recipe book, where if we decide we're going to have chicken for dinner, because chicken's what we have in the fridge, I don't read the breakfast food section at the beginning of the recipe book. I go to the chicken section, and then we figure out where we're going to go from there. There are different parts of Scripture that have different purposes for us in our spiritual journey. And so the question, as you open up your Bible, is not, uh, do I start at the beginning? But it's, what do I need to learn more about? What do I need to grow in? Uh, what do I need some understanding on? And then looking for that. So this is very broad and very brief, but uh, the Bible breaks down into some key sections, and, uh, and there might be some debate exactly about how it breaks down, but I think this is a, a decent look at it. So the first five books of the Bible, commonly called the law, Genesis through Deuteronomy. This is the story of creation. This is the story of the calling of the Jewish people. This is the, the story of uh, the Jewish people in Egypt and coming out in the Exodus, God taking care of them through the wilderness, bringing them to the brink of the promised land. And most importantly, why it's called the law, it is the revelation of God's commandments, which happens at Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments and all of the others. In the law, God tells Israel, this is my standard of holiness and anything that falls short of it is sin. Uh, so it reveals to us what God is looking for from humanity. It reveals God's perfect standard. And so it's important for us to know the New Testament says the law is there partly to help us see our sinfulness and how we need a savior. Uh, and so it's good for us to stay refreshed on the law and what God is looking for, uh, partly so we can understand, oh, wow, I have broken many of these. Do I ever need the grace of Jesus Christ in my life? The next section is the history books, Joshua through Esther. This is the story of Israel coming into the promised land and how Israel uh, survives for a number of years. There are stories of wars and invasions and exiles. And the history books are important because it's the story of how does God interact with people. Uh, God takes care of Israel. He loves Israel. He provides for Israel. He's faithful towards Israel. Sometimes he's angry with Israel and punishing Israel. But we see the context of who God is uh, interacting with a human life. And it gives us the story of Israel as well, which is an important story. The wisdom books, Job through Song of Songs, uh, sometimes called the poetry books or the wisdom literature uh, the book of Psalms is in there. The book of Proverbs is in there. Ecclesiastes, Lamentations. These are poetry books, Hebrew poetry. Uh, they're full of prayer. They're full of lament, which we talked about last week. They're full of people uh, struggling with God and questioning God and rejoicing in God. Uh, and it's kind of the whole human experience gets covered. Uh, there's despair and grief. There's wonderful thanksgiving. Uh, there's doubt. There is confusion. There is all of these things. Uh, if we want to learn how to pray better, then the Wisdom books are a great place to spend some time because there's a lot of prayer in those books. The prophets, Isaiah to Malachi, major prophets and major pro minor prophets, uh, these are places where God speaks to us. Prayer is where we speak to him. In the prophets, God talks back. And if we want to begin to learn more of 
what does God sound like, and how does he sound, and what is his heart? Uh, again, in the prophets, there is a wide range of uh, God's love, his compassion, his mercy, his forgiveness, uh, his warnings, his holiness, his anger at times. And so in getting to know kind of the fullness of the heart of God, uh, the prophets are helpful because we're hearing directly from his mouth uh, through the prophets. So that's important too. The Gospels we might be more familiar with, uh, four biographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, describing the life of Jesus, how he lived, what he taught, his example. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, we need to know that stuff. And so a lot of Christians will spend a lot of time in the Gospels, and they should. And so the Gospels are there to show us who Jesus is and what he wants from us. The letters or the epistles follow the Gospels, and the letters are there to show us what does it mean to be a Christ follower in real life. The letters flesh out some theology. They flesh out what does it mean to be a Christian in a world full of lots of other religions? What does it mean to be a Christian as a father? What does it mean to be a Christian as a parent? What should church look like, and how should we structure our church? So the letters give context. Here's what a Christian life looks like. Uh, we learn so much about that from what Paul and the other apostles wrote. And then Revelation gets its own category, apocalyptic literature. Revelation's a super weird book, uh, admittedly. And the word apocalyptic doesn't mean end of the world. Apocalypse means revelation, and that's why the book is called that. Uh, it is a revelation of Jesus Christ, and it is explaining how he is going to redeem everything, uh, and it gets its own category because it doesn't quite fit into any of the other ones, but we should note that too when we read it. Uh, the book of Revelation is not a narrative. It is not a prophetic book in the way that the other prophet books are. Uh, there's a lot to it, and so Revelation, don't try to understand Revelation on your own. Get some buddies and <laughs> just take some time to, to wrestle through it with others because it's a tricky book for sure. Um, so that's the kind of thing that we're talking about when we talk about variety. If I'm spending all my time in the Gospels, in my Bible reading, then that's not bad in the sense of I'll get really good at Jesus and his teachings and, and learning about that part of it. But maybe that means if I'm really well grounded there, I need to grow in the law a little bit. Uh, if I'm caught up in law or in history, and I just love the old stories, uh, which have a lot of God's, you know, anger and a lot of wrath in there, uh, you know, I, I can get too much wired for that way. Maybe I need to read the letters, which really unpack a lot about the grace and compassion of God as well. And so we need all of it. All scripture is God-breathed. This all comes from him. And so it's good for us to engage with lots of different parts of it. When we're reading our Bible, it's important to choose the right translation. I sometimes get asked, what's the best translation? Uh, of NIV or New King James or Amplified or whatever. And the answer is, well, there is no right translation or best translation because they are all translations. And so with these Bible translations, teams of experts in Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek, uh, theology experts sit down as committees and for years they prayerfully wrestle through, how do we turn this Greek sentence into an English sentence? And what's the right way to phrase it? And where do we put the comma? And if we put that word, is that taint the meaning. And, and so they really wrestle through this stuff a lot. But because languages don't translate perfectly into another, uh, that's why the translations are a little bit different. Because a Greek word can sometimes be translated four different ways. And so they wrestle through what's the right way. And it might be a little different. I don't think in the translations they, they typically change the meaning of the text, but the phrasing just might be a little bit different. And so you need to read a translation that you can read, uh, which might sound obvious. But at our first church, there was a woman, she was new to Jesus, and she said, I just don't understand this Bible at all. 
And I was trying to encourage her, and I said, well, that's very normal. Like, we, we all have a learning curve, and, you know, I'd love to sit with you and, and answer your questions, and we'll get you in a life group where you can learn with other people. And so she did those things, but then she said, yeah, I'm still really not understanding it. It's like an alien language to me. Uh, I just can't really grasp what it's supposed to mean. And as we talked and as she showed me her Bible, uh, she hadn't grown up in church, but she came to Jesus and there was an old Bible from her grandfather on the shelf. Uh, and it was a King James version of the Bible. And so it was the only Bible she knew and the only one she had in the house. But King James, uh, the King James version of Bible was translated and written in English in 1611, uh, which is the age of Shakespeare. And it reads like Shakespeare. Like it's, it's beautiful. It's been called the, the most beautiful piece of English literature. But, uh, but it's, it's hard to grasp if you remember being in grade 10 and struggling through Romeo and Juliet. Uh, they talked super different back then. And words didn't mean the same back then as they mean now. And so uh, we got her a new international version, which is what we read here and have in the pews, uh, which is not the right version, but it's just an easy to understand version. It is a good translation. If there is a translation you can find in a Christian bookstore, uh, basic rule of thumb, it's a solid translation. You can trust it. And sometimes what happens is if we read the same translation for years and years and years and years, uh, we can kind of lose some of the meaning of it because we're just so familiar with the words. And sometimes it can be really refreshing in your spiritual journey just to shake up the translation. If you've been reading the NIV for 20 years, maybe try the message for a while. Uh, if you want to go deeper in the study part, maybe try the Amplified Version, which is a bit harder to read, but goes really in-depth as to what each word can mean. There's a, a lot of different varieties. Whatever version you choose, I strongly encourage you to have a study Bible that you read for your Bible time. It'll say study Bible on it. Not all Bibles are study Bibles. The ones we have in our pews are not study Bibles. They're just the words of Scripture. A study Bible is the words of Scripture, but it's full of uh, just facts and footnotes and help things to help you understand. When I first got saved and started reading my Bible, there was nothing that helped me understand God's Word better than my study Bible. Because you'd be reading something, and Jesus would say something, and I'd go, that, I don't understand what he means at all. And there'd be a footnote, and you'd read at the bottom. It's like, oh, Jesus is tapping into this Jewish custom that means X, Y, and Z. And you go, oh, okay, that makes a whole lot more sense. Study Bibles are amazing. I cannot recommend them enough. Whatever version you are reading, I would encourage you to read it in a study Bible. Some people are very helped as well by following a reading plan. Uh, and that's where, sometimes where we go, I don't know what to read on any given day. Where do I start with this Bible? A reading plan decides it for you. It's great. So you just have to go, okay, June 1st, I am reading Matthew chapter 1, 2 Samuel chapter 1, and Numbers chapter 11. I don't have to wrinkle my brain to try and wrestle through what I need to do. And there's a good accountability there. It can keep you on track. Uh, there's plans where you can read through the Bible in a year. There's plans where you can, uh, you know, pick the Gospel of John and walk through that over, you know, six months or whatever, and there's just a wide variety of topics. There's reading plans for moms and for dads and for spouses and for singles and for uh, different ages, older people, younger people. You can find one that is geared towards you. If you miss a day, you know what you need to catch up on, and so there's a good accountability. This helps a lot of people. You have stuff now where they text it to your phone. Here's your reading for the day. Uh, so if you don't carry your Bible around with you all the time, uh, it's there. There are apps that can help with this as well. So it's really never been easier to uh, to engage with this kind of thing. As well, we can use books and podcasts to help us understand God's Word. 
Uh, God's given teachers for a reason, that we all need to be taught by somebody else. And so sometimes if me reading the Bible by myself isn't doing it for me, I can read a book by someone who is going to explain what that passage means or what that book of the Bible means. There's podcasts, there's sermons, there's YouTube. Uh, I mean, not everything on the internet is good, you may have heard. But if you have questions on that, you can let me know. Uh, but there's a world. Like, we live in just an amazing age where if you go on Amazon right now, there will be tens of thousands of Christian resources and they're going to bring it right to your front door. They're just going to bring it to your house. You don't even have to go up to Windsor or anything. Or it's going to download right to your app on your phone. Like, it's an amazing age that we live in. We have never had more at our fingertips to help us understand God's Word better. Uh, and so that's the blessing of it. The flip side of that is that okay, we also have no excuses then because there is a world available to help us out. And so uh, books and podcasts and things are amazing. I will shamelessly plug Meadowbrook's podcast while we're talking about it. You guys brought it up. Uh, the Meadowbrook Daily Devotional. Uh, we created this about a year ago, and the idea was from our hearts, which is how can we get God's word in God's people's hands easier? And so a podcast is something that uh, you subscribe to, and it downloads audio, in our case audio, uh, just things to your phone or to your tablet or to your computer. So what we do is from Monday to Friday, we have a podcast that goes up. It's four to five minutes long. It's nice and short. Uh, we take a book of the Bible, and we just march through it a few verses at a time. And so each daily podcast is a few verses of Scripture, some explanation of that Scripture, and then a thought or a challenge for you to just think about as you go about your day. And so we wanted it to be short and sweet. Uh, we've gone through the Gospel of John entirely. We've gone through the book of Revelation entirely. Right now, we're working through the book of Acts. If you've missed any of that, it's all still there. So you can go and just catch up at your own speed. And so you can find this by searching for Meadowbrook Daily Devotional. Uh, search for that in iTunes. Uh, if you have an Apple product, you have a podcast app. You just search for it in that app. If you have an Android product, you need to download an app first. And so Podcast Republic is one that we give here. And then search for it in that. But we've really tried to make it as easy as possible possible. They're just going to show up on your phone. You don't even have to go looking for them. Uh, the podcast will be there. And so if you need help with that at all, uh, many people have brought phones to me or to Xavier, and we'd be happy to help you get set up on that. Uh, there's a million other options as well. And so there's a world of things out there to help us understand God's Word. Learning with others also becomes really important, and we're just about done here today. Uh, some really struggle. We talked about this last week. Introverts and extroverts. Some thrive by going into their room and reading by themselves. Some go stir crazy when they try to go into their rooms and read by themselves. Uh, you are who you are. You have been wired the way you are wired. And so for some people, the best way to engage with scripture is by meeting with other people and talking it out. Uh, it doesn't work well to do it by yourself. So don't. Don't do that. And you might not be able to meet every single day, but uh, we have people in our church who, who go for coffee once a week with one person. Uh, we have little clusters of people that meet as well, and they just, they're working their way through uh, a spiritual book or a, a book of the Bible or something. And it's just, there's accountability there. Uh, there's a, a place to talk it out for those of us who need to talk it out. There's a place for other people to speak into it where we can learn a lot more than we can learn by ourselves. Uh, we have life groups here, which we value a lot, where once a week we get together and we talk about the things of God and the Bible. And so, I mean, ultimately, you can't do it all by yourself. Uh, you can't do it because eventually if all I'm doing is reading scripture in a room by myself, I might just start reading myself into the scripture, my own biases, my own prejudices, my own opinions. Uh, I need other people to help me understand what God's word means. We all need that. So learning with others becomes important. And as we just wrap up, the last thing I'll say is that when it comes to God's Word, I also sometimes get asked, well, how much should I be reading? 
And again, that's going to depend on you. Some of us love to read, and we might love read, to read, you know, five or ten chapters of Scripture a day. Some of us hate reading. Some of us struggle to read. One of the best preachers I've ever heard was dyslexic, and he was not able to sit for long periods of time and read the Bible. Uh, so he would have to listen to it through podcasts and other things, and that's how he would take it in. And so we're all different, but I'll just say uh, quality is more important than quantity when it comes to how you are taking in Scripture. Uh, if you read 10 chapters a day, that looks impressive, but if you're just skimming it and it's all kind of going over your head and nothing is actually being learned and certainly nothing is actually changing you, then that becomes a waste of time. If you take in three verses and you grasp them and they do something in your heart and you take them in and you start living them out because you've had an encounter with God through his word, that's so much more important. So I'm way less important that you read through the Bible in X amount of time or anything like that. It's much more important to me as your teaching pastor that you're having good Bible time. And if that means you're reading three verses a day, but it's actually good Bible time, then that's perfect. We want good time that is not just skimming over our heads, but is actually challenging us and, and changing us, transforming us as we move forward. Come on up, worship team. We're just about done. We have an email address here at meadowbrookquestions at meadowbrook.ca. If you want to keep chatting about the message today, we are happy to do that. And if you have any comments or thoughts, we'd love to go through that with you as well. So please feel free to make use of that. Smith Wigglesworth was a British Pentecostal pastor, and he put it this way. There are four principles we need to maintain. First, read the Word of God. We can't do anything else if we're not taking it in. I would just add, you can listen to it as well. Uh, but you have to take it in if it's going to form us and if we're going to be changed by it. Second, consume the Word of God until it consumes you. Uh, this is not an ordinary book. This is a book that will challenge us. It's like a mirror. It's like a fire. It's like a light. It's like life. It's like bread. Uh, so many things. And, and we need it to fuel our Christian journey. Third, believe the Word of God. We trust it. And then fourth, act on the Word of God. We have to get to that point like James says where we're not just learning, but we're actually living out what we are learning. And so in terms of next steps in this part of your spiritual journey, uh, it requires us to say, okay, honest assessment, where am I at uh, in my Bible engagement? What does that look like for my life? And as I look to take a step further now from wherever I am today, uh, what will that look like? Is it the consistency that I need to work on, just getting more regular and intentional about this? Is it the variety I need to work on uh, of not just staying in the Gospels maybe, but looking at other things? Is it something where uh, it's the doing that I don't do so well at? I love the learning, but now I need to take a step towards action a little bit more. Is it the way in which I'm engaging with the Word? Uh, we gave you lots of stuff to think about today, and I'm not going to answer it for you, but we will leave it with you. Uh, the question for you to answer prayerfully with Jesus is, what's a next step for me in my spiritual journey when it comes to God's Word, and, and how is that going to actually look in real life as I move forward? We're going to worship a little bit more before we close. I'll ask you to stand to your feet. As we wrap up the service, just want to remind you as well, there will be people up front available to pray with you. Uh, these folks are trained uh, to pray with people, so we encourage you to come forward if you want to pray through just next steps uh, about reading the Word and what that looks like for you. And as people are coming up front to pray, we encourage if you want to visit just to do that in the foyer and just down the hallway so we can create a place of, of ministry here as well. 
as we wrap it up today, as you go off, as Pastor Chris talked about, asking the Holy Spirit to show you what the next steps are in your life when it comes to reading the Word and getting into the Bible and making that an important part of our daily life, what that looks like for us. And be encouraged by that. God's Word transforms us from the inside out. And ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate to you as we all read the Word together. And it's a good thing to do to invest in our relationship with Christ because that's gonna overflow in our life as well. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for your word. Thank you that we have your word still to this day and that we're allowed to read the Bible in this country. And I pray, Lord, that would just be something that sparked in our heart today and this week that you show us, Holy Spirit, the next steps we need to take to dive deeper with you or even maybe to get started reading the word. I pray, Lord, that you'd give us a passion, a desire uh, to sit at your feet and to look at your word and to allow the Holy Spirit to, to minister to us, to show us, to encourage us, uh, to continue to build us from the inside out through the power of your spirit. Thank you for your written word. Thank you for how it has come together and how it's just God breathed. And we pray, Lord, that that would breathe life into our spirit as well. And for folks that are trying to figure this thing out, Lord, give this some clarity of mind and encouragement, even today or tomorrow when they decide to pick up the Bible for the first time in a long time, perhaps, that it would be life-giving for them. And it would not be about guilt, it would not be about any of that, but it'd be life-giving to bring joy and peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, have a great Sunday. Before we leave, moms, don't forget to pick up your gifts at the door as you go. Happy Mother's Day.